Black men are strong and filled with rich heritage. We black men matter, and our health should be a priority. Now is the time to educate ourselves on how we can live a longer and fuller life for our families and, most importantly, ourselves. This is Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Harris and Dr. Bashir Easter. Good day and welcome. We are back with Men Making Health a Priority. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. We're here with Dr. Bashir Easter. How are you, sir? I'm good, Doc. How are you doing? Welcome. I'm glad being back again. Let's go. All right. And we also have with us Clem Richardson, a clinical substance abuse counselor. I'm not talking to Clem today because Clem, he, he got the LPC too, the license. <laughs> he might talk me under not having to do stuff I don't want to do. But this is, this is part two. Yeah, right. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a phenomenal conversation, but this week we wanted to kind of make it a little different, you know, add a little flavor to it. And so I'm going to let Dr. Uh, Dr. Easter kind of give us an overview of this part two of men's mental health. I think, yeah, thank you for that, Doc. Uh, when we really start discussing what we're doing with the men making uh, mental health and health a priority, right? And our mind, body, and spirit as we are we're moving this forward. We did a three months of the body and now we're doing three months on the mind. Uh, it was very interesting as we started moving this forward, why we didn't do the mind first, right? Why didn't we focus on mind first and then focus on the body? Right. But with this series, what we realized is that as the men started taking action and non-action, we want to know why. And so now we're getting to the mind, the reasoning, why some of the things that we did with some action and, and, uh, and some non-action to move from some changes in regard to, to take care of themselves didn't happen. But what we got with, with the processes we have, Clem, is able to really explain to us what's going on to us mentally. Remember, we talked about the chemical changes that are going on in the right, vein, the right. mental changes. That are, and now we say, what are the terms? How do we understand what we have? Um, Clem is able to explain that to us with the information that he's going to be sharing with uh, share with the men and going to continue to share with the three months. I don't know if I'm going to do this because, see, every every time we talk, every time we talk about men's health, we get a little more granular. And so I can see where men start to feel a little. What's the word exposed? And, and I think you talked about it last week, being vulnerable being vulnerable and being open. And so the closer those questions get, the more vulnerable you get. So, um, Clem, does yeah. mental health change at all? I mean, you know, we, 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 we talked in past weeks about the body and the spirit and all that. But when it comes to the mind, there seems to be a disconnect in, in terms of African-American men who really have to deal with some things. They'll fight through physical. They'll fight through uh, cancer. They'll fight through prostate cancer. They'll fight for their, their, their families and spouses and significant others. But when it comes to their mind, very few will actually open up and let you know what they're thinking when they have those issues. How do you help men uh, get through that, that, that door so that they're vulnerable enough to tell you that they're having some mental health issues. Yeah, that's a good uh, segue right there, Doc. So, yeah, so pretty much some of the men um, come in with the stigma, first of all, of getting the counseling or the help, because we know that more women get counseling compared to, our, to the men do as well. But anyway, so getting them to open up and share 
Um, nobody's going to change until there's a significant emotional event. What I mean by that is, Wait, what's yeah, exactly? I'm, 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 exactly. I'm, okay, let me unpack that right quick. Yeah. So, a significant emotional event can be a divorce. It can be a life shows up. There's stress or financial problems. Mm-hmm. There may be a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. So, men are coming to get the help that they need for many different facets, right? So, can yeah. the significant event be different for Bashir? And then the same thing for me, I make it through just fine? Or are significant events kind of the same for everybody? It's different. It depends on the person. So it depends on what what they've been through. So you got a lot of the micro-isms that's going on in our community. Micro-isms is the systemic racism things. Uh, Before even going to COVID, we had a big number increase where men dealing with a lot of different issues as far as financially. And so now... Um, and while we're in COVID and still in it, still dealing with it, some of them haven't been able to recover financially. Right. So I'm having businessmen calling me on the other line crying. You know, these men, six, seven, eight figures, said, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to recover or make a bounce, come back from mm-hmm. where I was at financially due to this right here. Um, I've had some even called me regarding the um, death of a loved one or something like that, family members. So grief and loss mm. has brought them to get the counseling that they need. Um, some kind of just <clears throat> ask certain questions, but they don't they indirectly ask for help. A sense that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going through with this right here with my my girl. You know, so what are you going through? You know, so um, men begin to open up and start sharing. Once we start opening up and sharing, then that's where the healing takes place. Right. So, Bashir, how do I get you? I'm sorry, Dr. Easter. How, how how do I get someone in your group? Right. So I'm new to your group. And by the way, I started filling out that survey for all of us. Man, that might take me a week and a half. <laughs> I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It's, it's very thorough. And I really enjoyed it because it made me think about some things. And and so doing that survey I thought about this interview we were going to do, and I thought, okay, so I'm new. I'm coming in to, to all of us. I'm going to come to the group. And how does Dr. Easter get me from the group to Clem? So Clem is a part of this group. So Clem started in the original group where we had the Robert Jackson, uh, myself, Pastor Locke, and Clem Richardson. Those are the originators that we had when we started this process to come together. And uh, when we started to do that, they were able to see his face. So uh, I knew Clem, as I said before, we both got our Black Excellence Awards, as you did as well, Dr. Ken. We got that together award. And so we were able to continue to do some things together. And this was with that capacity. So when they see that when we talked about we had these men open up and that's where I got the term truly by curious learning from from Clem. He stated that and was able to see the men in the room have this open kind of dialogue. It was very organic. We didn't have any other professionals in the room, Dr. Ken. So we had to bring other professionals to help to understand. And what Clem was explaining to us is absolutely right. If men are going to open up, we need to be able to provide professionals for them to continue on to help them as they move forward. So as they come to the the, the groups of the men's health uh, sessions that we do uh, every um, last Friday of the month, that is our goal to do that, they come in. We're not asking them to do anything, but sit down and take a moment for themselves first. This is a, shut down everything else. Take, turn off your phones. Don't think about the food that you're going to order later. Don't think about what you're going to do. Get ready to prepare for work. Just take these two hours for you. 
And that's the first thing that we do. And then we go into the process mm-hmm. of discussing and unwinding. And that's how it usually starts. And then we build on even the all of us piece. I do not lead with the research, Dr. Kenda. Right, the the right. research is a part of it. The main thing is, what do we get out of it now? And then we, as you're understanding, then we build on why the all of us component is is most important in this work. So how do we connect? So I, I keep seeing the guy come in and I see them sit through everything and they they, you know, they, they, they become mindful and they understand these are coming, you know, like like I do. I take my six my 600 seconds, my 10 minutes of absolutely yes. nothing, no interruptions, no nothing. But then how do I how do I know what those components are? So, Clem, you have what, like eight thousand counselor certifications and this and that <laughs> yeah. and the substance. And, but how do we know, how do we get men to tell us that I'm having this issue with a, a certain substance abuse? Or Right. That's a good uh, question right that? there, Doc. So what we do is me and Doc and all of them, so you, you can't, nothing changes if nothing changes. So what that means right. is you just give them the information. You just come alongside them, brothers, and just walk along with them. Okay, so, they, so there, yeah. there it is. So right. walk me through. I came so, in. So you're coming I, in. I, I was mindful. I right. was quiet. Right, you're coming in. You're mindful. Usually men will become look at your table or they might pull you to the side, say, hey, man, can I get one of your cars? And say, I don't want nobody else to see them get a ah, car, right? Okay. Because remember, the stigma as far as mental health. Got then it. when they come in, they might text Dr. Bashir. Say, he's like, hey, no, um, Clem's got an organization here. Go go see him. We Even even with the um, the physical part. So we had uh, one brother, which is homeboy of mine, is, uh, um, Mr. Leonard. He's definitely a fitness guru, right? So just starting with the body, some of the guys didn't even want to go get the free workout. Mm-hmm. because their mind is hijacked. That's where we come up with the term is the hijacked mind. And so I was, I was reminded of this, this one uh, song. Some of y'all probably already know it, right? My Mind Playing Tricks on Me by Scarface. Mm-hmm. And so with that, he said, I'm paranoid, sleeping with my hands on the trigger, right? He said, my mother says, I ain't living right, you know, but I ain't going out without a fight, right? So this brother right here is dealing with anxiety and depression, if you listen to the song, to the lyrics, right? And so a lot of these brothers, they dealing with so many different issues with men, we suffer in silence and don't want to open up and talk about those problems. So when they do come to us, like I said, it's usually they hit their bottom mm-hmm. and they say, man, I want the help. Usually people are not wow. going to come until they're at their bottom. Okay. So when we come back, I want, I want to talk about what the bottom looks like because I would be under the impression that, you know, these are grown men. They'll just come in and they see they need help. They call you on the side and that's it. And then, and then we, we show up for a session, and that's it. But, it. but it sounds like the majority of men have to have that, <laughs> that tap-out moment. Okay, I got yeah. to get out of here. UFC moment. And, and, and I got to fix this. And so when we come back, I want to really talk about just that one thing, that I tap out and say I need help. What 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 that process would look like, because I know there's, there's somebody listening, there's somebody thinking to themselves that maybe I need that, but I don't know how that, pro- you know, we're we're afraid of the unknown. We're not afraid of afraid of the known. Right. We'll right. fight somebody six feet tall and we're five foot two. But if there's something unknown. Right. If there's a bug crawling on my back, we scream and holler and run. And so. When we come back, I want to look at just just how do I get from I know I need help. I hit rock bottom. What do I need to do? Is it a call? Is it social media? Is it, you know, I don't I don't really know what that would be, but I guess I can use me as a guinea pig. We are men 
making health a priority. This week we're talking mental health. Last week we talked mental health. This is part two. And we're here with Clem Richardson, clinical substance abuse counselor, mental health professional. Lord knows I need help. Along with <laughs> Dr. Bashir Easter from the UW Hall of Us. See, now everybody starts laughing at me. See, see how I open up? And, and I'm, I'm trying to be open. And then you open up. You open up. Being real, brother. You're being, being real. real. All right. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be right back. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. We're back with Men Making Health a Priority, Mental Health Part 2. So last week we were talking about mental health, and we had a great time with uh, Garrett Davis. And so this week we're with Clem Richardson, along with that guy, Dr. Be again. Easter, him again. And so <laughs> I, I think the cool thing about this is that we have we are taking time uh, throughout the year to really zero in on men's health. But this week in May, this week in May, this month in May, it's mental health week. And I, I thought it, I thought it important to make sure that we really look at this whole mental health piece in a granular way so that so that African-American men can understand some, something Clem said about it not being a stigma. And I know you mentioned that before, uh, Dr. Easter, but before we get into the whole meat of the matter, how do we get that stigma to the forefront so that we can actually deal with it? it I guess I have to look at it. I could look, look, looking at Clem and what he does with substance abuse. You can't really overcome something until you admit it's a problem. So, right. uh, Dr. Easter, explain to us the problem of acknowledging that we need help. Once, one step back, I think what's helped in this to get that to, to men to be able to then share mm-hmm. is, a safe, is a safe space or safe environment to do so. That it was most important that we notice. And again, it was very organic. And there were other men that, you know, that looked like them and then and that came in with different um, backgrounds. But they were able to start sharing. And as the men started sharing, the individual men started feeling this is safe for me to share something. To share something that I've been going through. It's a safe space. So then when that happened, the identifying the stressors or identifying some of the things that they were going through, not necessarily what was you know targeting depression, right? Calling the depression or anything like that. But they were really targeting what was causing them issues or harm. And so whether it was that it was the job, that was some of the things they were going through, whether it was their family, what they were going through. And at that point, they weren't even looking for answers, Dr. Ken. Right. They were just getting it out, flooding it out. And so what we was noticing in that that process was. These things, as that man said, you know what I had, I'm having issues with my marriage or I'm having issues with my children. The next man said the same thing. You too. Then there was other things that started coming out in the men that was very uh, interesting. Some men were feeling like they could not make a mistake. Feels like I can never make a mistake as a black man or a brown man mm. because I don't get a break by making a mistake. 
Right. I always at my job. If I do something there, I feel like I'm going a, I'm to a mess up or it's going to be so, uh, I'm going to lose my job or something like that. There was a constant pressure that was on it, whether it was self-made, self-inflicted, not sure. But in that concept, these things were um, manifesting with them physically that they were having going on with them. And so what we started to notice as those men started to talk about, because I, I don't have that expertise. Clem does. What I did know is that these men needed someone to understand exactly what they were going through and then I give them the terms that they were going through, explain to them how, why it's going to them physically, what was going there with them stressfully, the stress was happening physically, uh, and then how was it affecting them mentally? What was the chemical changes that were going on? And that's what we got to Clem. So then how do you get them to talk, Clem? How, how do you how, how do you get, get me? Okay, so I came in, we did the yep. thing, I was mindful, mm -hmm. sat down, people started talking. You got you got you something yeah. to eat. You got you something to eat. Yeah. Everybody you told them to take it. Yep, yeah. take so, that time for themselves. Mm -hmm. What's what's the piece between um Dr. Easter and you that a man would hear to make him to make it resonate with him to go, hmm, maybe I mm. need to say something. Yeah. So we what we do is we come up with the um and the group is cohesive. That means it's working together. Mm -hmm. Scripture, you know, says talk, how can two walk together unless they agree. So these brothers come in here and they on fire. They're excited about um, one to hear the information. First of all, number two, you build that rapport with them. So we built the build the rapport with these brothers, right? Such as such as like I said. Communication rules the nation. So if you're communicating with someone, you give them a firm handshake. What's up, brother? How you doing? Welcome to the Men's Health Night. We all embrace them. Me, Robert, Dr. Bashir, and Pastor Locke. We embrace those brothers, right? So these are some of the areas where I come in at. So I unpack it, and I come from a historical context. So you got to find out historically what's going on and then make it relevant to right now. So Dr. Joy DeGroote talks about a term that she called the post-traumatic slave syndrome. We hear it PTSD. So it says multiple generational factors that's still impacting us still to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, and such so, as such, such as, as the violence, okay, um, the the drug addiction, the poverty conditions, mm -hmm. the lack of economic opportunity, the um, generational factors, okay, the social factors, environmental factors, and the miseducation of the black man. So those are if, some of the things. So what if some of those don't touch me? Well. Believe me, but they, yet I'm in, no, but but I'm, right. I'm I'm just playing right, advocate, right, right. But, I'm sitting in a room, right. I have a PhD, educated, multiple careers, um, good money, good job, good wife, good kids, both daughters, everybody in the house graduated from college. Gotcha, slamming it, right? But there's something missing. There's something missing with the person with the PhD, e, GED, right. or whatever. Right. So here, if you if a person says, hey, I'm good, I'm good. Then you're in denial. Denial is not admitting or accepting that, that that's a problem. But does that mean I'm in denial or does that mean I don't – does everybody have a problem? No. Or is no. it just that you haven't – It's too many of us that do have a problem, not everybody. In a valley or in a hill. You know what I mean? Right. It, we, we see more of the valley, Doc. So, so in other words, 10% of the problem is the drug. Let's talk like that. The 90% right. is the thinking. That's where we have we we I, I come from that perspective. So genetics s research support shows that right. people predisposed are born through that due to um, traumatic issues you've been through through your ancestors. Right. You, when you go to the doctor, and ask you, did you have 
high cholesterol, isn't that? So that plays a bigger part. The social factors. What was your social culture, subculture? Mm-hmm. Was it cool to be cool? Would you would you talk to be a player? Would you talk to work hard as a man? Those are some of the social contexts and factors that we focus on as a child. Because we know some bros in the community, 53206, where I grew up at, we had a lot of, it's called the A study, the adverse childhood experiences. All right. Not having that father in the home. I'm seeing domestic violence, um, selling drugs at early age. That's the thing that I I was involved in. So the environmental factor plays a big, important part. We're living in a war zone. Some of us do. When you hear gunshots, you continue to hear sirens. You continue to do that. There was a research that I was reading that says if you take a kid's 10 to 9 years old blood pressure right now, it would be high as the sky because of the civil unrest and things that we're doing. So there's the environmental factors. What happens is, Doc, we see that people turn to drugs, alcohol, sex, buying things to fill that void. And we haven't really talked about debt. So those are some things that we're going wow. to be unpacking coming up with the men's wow. piece about the beliefs and values that we hit, we learned and how it hijacked us and how we normalize dysfunction when that ain't cool to go snatch somebody. Perfect. That's not cool to get out here in these cars and do what you're doing or, you know, with with the adult men, too, as well. So, yeah. But even though I also want to add this, Dr. Ken, and is that there are a few of the men that go along with, with exactly what you're stating, mm-hmm. that they, they've done very well with their, their jobs, they've done very well with their family, they've done all of these things that you would see on the surface that they're fine, right? But then you find out that we talk about suffering and silence. Yeah. And so what when we talk about the safe environment, there's all walks of life that are in that room, and there's no judgment. That's right. So when you have these discussions, you find out that the same individuals that have done everything else that they have done on the surface very well, they still may have an issue that they want to be able to fix or to try to figure out what to do. And um, traditional methods or going somewhere to say that I need to, to talk to someone may not work. So this space might be something that they can utilize. And we've seen that happen. Even when we talk about the Wolfpack that I brought in, the same successful group of men, very well successful men, doing very well for themselves, families very well, with like mind, connecting. But each one of them have had moments in their life, whether it was the past or as the present, that they needed an avenue to discuss what was going on with them. And that's what the, the safe environment allows that, uh, that, that peace to come out. And it may not be drugs, may not be alcohol, right. may not be sex. You know what it could be? Work. They could be workaholics. workaholics yeah. They could be, I use all of my energy and my time into this and I separate from everything else. Right. And that still affects your body. In some way, in some fashion. Okay. And so these are the things that we're trying to say at any walks of life could come in to learn more about your mind, body and spirit. And so it's important for us to really recognize and understand yeah. that when we talk about mental health month, it's not like pointing to other people it's actually us right yes right that's true that's correct it does it does hijack the mind because when you, it starts with the thinking it starts with that all the time the, mm-hmm. end, the the devil's playground is your mind all right and so with that you you don't want him to you know uh take control of that you have to take control of your, I, I could put on a new suit drive a new hot car credit score good, live out in the River Hills. But if my mind is not right, I'm just a gift wrap. Okay. You know, I'm just, I'm just dressed up lot. Wow. So, 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 so now these brothers open up and share and talk about that pain. That's the only way we're going to heal. Our community is broken. We broken, man. 
And we ain't got to go back. It's, it's, it's conditioning. We already know from a historical context, but we ain't got to go that far. We're not that far removed. We got to go back to 1968, 67, where things are happening. So, all right. We're here with Clem Richardson, clinical substance abuse counselor, mental health professional, um, all around great guy, sounding like. <laughs> um, also with Dr. Bashir Easter, I'm Dr. Ken Harris. In our next segment, um, I really want to talk about something that Bashir brought up, traditional methods versus cultural methods of getting men to understand their particular health issues. Men Making Health Priority Mental Health Month. We'll be right back. More of Men Making Health a Priority presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships is next on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority. This is Mental Health Month. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. We're here with Dr. Bashir Easter and our very, very special guest, Clem Richardson. He's a clinical substance abuse counselor, mental health professional, licensed professional counselor, uh, on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, All right, Doc. And so before we were uh, talking, Something crossed my mind when you talked about the whole history and the and the uh, post-traumatic slave being in law enforcement for 28 years. Um, many officers retire like I did with post-traumatic stress that doesn't hit till about six or eight months later. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize that you're working all day and you're up all night and you're this and you realize when last time I slept and all those little things. And then you have to go talk to somebody and they tell you, hey, this is called post-traumatic stress because you were on for 28 years. Yeah. And now you're off and you can't just turn it off. Right. But slavery was 1619 to 2022. That's right. If you back up a couple years to 2020 with COVID, Mm -hmm. you just kind of put it in a rocket ship and shot it to another galaxy. That's right. And so the methodology that we use to deal with people with mental health, you know, Dr. Bashir mentioned, you know, traditional methods and doing this. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, there's nothing traditional about about all of us. There, there, this this wolf pack. There's nothing traditional about. And, and, and I thought, can can both of you address with, with Dr. Bashir and then you, Clem? What cultural methods do you use to reach men? Because I know some stuff just don't. Re- it just doesn't resonate with me. But this sounds like like I've been listening to the different guests and listening to Dr. Bashir. And I go, hmm, that makes sense. Can, Dr. Bashir, can can you just kind of help me with the traditional methods of starting a group like this versus the cultural methods that are needed with African-American men? I'm glad you brought that up. That makes a lot of sense. So when we talk about the research, so the literature says a process in regards to getting people to do anything lose weight or something like that. As doing research, you, you get together, you get a principal investigator, you get a group of individuals in, 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 a, in an environment or a group, you, they, they have to fit a certain criteria, right? Whether it's age, you know, if they have a illness or a sickness, they're fitting your study, right? And so in that, what you're, what you're doing is, is you're, you're really trying to uh, control the environment and then do your research and get the information, right? This situation was not that at all. It was after you get your research information and they, they, they write in literature what they usually try to do. And it's our Caucasian and, uh, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in research. Mm-hmm. 
will take that that method or or model or or information research that they received and try to plant it or put it into any environment that has to do with you would say a man or woman or any culture. They then they, they do their research and find out it doesn't work. And I've seen it in research and it's very it's, it's, it's listed in there. Um, it didn't work, but didn't explain why it didn't work. Well, the reason why it didn't work because you tried to cookie cutter. It is make it seem like because you did the research on uh, middle aged white men or uh, white women or white children or and then you try to take it in the cultural context and you saying I didn't know all these other nuances came into play. But one of the main thing that was Dr. Ken was trust. Was trust. OK. When we walked into the room, Clem said it. we didn't come in with our agenda. We didn't come in right. to say this is what we want to do to you. The first thing we did was, is we say we got them in the room. We made sure that there was an atmosphere to people to eat. We talked about, hey, we want to watch this video. There was an open icebreaker. The men got to shake in their hands, and we got to tell them, we, this is why we're here. It's because we care. Something is going on with us. Not you all, us. The issue is, is, is our body. We don't understand what's going on in our body and our health, and this is what's going on. And in that capacity, as we started to talk about it, these start, people started realizing, well, they didn't ask me nothing yet. They didn't ask me to enroll in anything. They didn't ask me to do anything. All they asked me to do was come. And each time that we came, they saw we kept coming back. The same group kept coming back. So that trust began to build. A lot of times the research, can is they don't want to spend, I say they, researchers don't want to spend the upfront time to build that trust and relationship before they go into saying, how can I help you? We go in to say, how do we help you first? So that's what came to be first. The other thing that came into the conversation was, is to say, individually, you have your own issues. I don't know them. And I, I would be honest to say, I cannot uh, answer those, but I will bring the people that you may need to help you. So it's the onus is on them now to say, if I take it or not take it, this works for me, it doesn't. When I talk about precision medicine, it's the same exact thing. It is what is precise to you is going to help you because I don't know, but so you have to tell me. And the only way that's going to work is if you tell me. And then that, that trust, that recognizing it, rec uh, understanding what it was going to be was was what was started the process. One more thing i add, and, I'm, and then I'll move on, is that uh, we didn't come to them and immediately give them a bunch of medical jargon. That's right. We didn't do that. We came to deal with their humanity, who they were. What was some of the essence that they cared about? Their family. They cared about their family. Yeah. You cared about, you know, making sure that um, you were here. Well, let us help you do these things that you already want to do. And let me make sure that you're successful at it as much as possible. And that's what really came out to be. And so it wasn't traditional. It wasn't to the point of we take you to a therapist, get you a therapist, sit down, give you a pamphlet. You sit down, you figure out your issue, you talk about it. No, we're going to be in this raw building. We're going to have some good food. We're going to discuss it. And then we're going to make sure the resources come to you instead of you sending you to the resources. All right. Anything you want to add to that, Clem? Yes, sir. So what we did, me and Doc and the rest of the bros, we uh, met, met them right where they was at. So mm -hmm. we didn't put any expectations on them, any false expectations. We just met them right there, right there where was at. That was non-traditional, right there. Also, letting them know that um, we're here for you, brother. I know this is kind of feel uncomfortable because some brothers don't trust, and so we just let them know we're here for you anytime you need the help. One one thing I noticed about working with men for over twenty years 
is you have we can't use our, our Eurocentric approach like our, our white brothers. We have to use it from a non-traditional approach. Meaning, um, so for some with my clients, what I do is uh, I don't send send them to NA or AA. Go take up a martial arts class. If, if that's what you're good, do that one. If you like working out at Planet Fitness, go ahead and do that right there. If you like work, um, eating more healthier, doing that right there instead of drinking sodas and all that, drink a lot of water or smoothies or something of that nature. So meeting them right where they're at and just having that walk with them and letting them know, coming alongside them to, su- to support them and let them know you can win, you can make it despite what you're going through. It don't have to be a drug and alcohol issue all the time. It can just be like uh, we was talking about earlier, Dr. Bashir you're saying um, become a work ethic because we was taught to work hard and be silent. We was taught to work hard and be silent. Mm -hmm. And so some men have become so passive that they lost their voice. Another thing that we did in that group, we allowed them to talk and share their voice. They just wanted to be heard. So with that, you know, so, so, so with that, yes, sir. When I, when I think about white counselors versus black counselors, um, to, to give an analogy, we always talk about, you know, the black community needs to be we need financial literacy. Right. Not really recognizing that literacy means that I'm illiterate, like I'm too stupid to know something. I was in a meeting the other day and I, I don't know if I mentioned it in, in the last show, but I, I was in a meeting where the person said it's not about illiteracy. It's about right. fluency. Mm-hmm. It's about right. understanding and knowing the words, how you speak it. But then white counselors look at us as being illiterate. You know, go to N.A., right? Go right. to Mm-mm. and just kind of. I'm going to hear nobody talk about drugs all day. Right. Demo go use after right. I leave there. Right. Whereas it sounds like the black counselor has to impart fluency. You need to know what it is you're talking about before you actually fix it. Mm-hmm. How, how can I come to a Wolfpack meeting and actually learn how to be fluent, not, not necessarily in the um, uh, numbers piece, but mm-hmm. for me, what do I need to know to be fluent about my mental health? One of the things that we did as a funny, we were having these conversations with the company men as well, is that we had a little, little uh, disagreement, I'll say that. Um, and uh, you'll end up talking to them, um, Ken, as we're bringing on the guys to discuss that. Okay. They wanted to say, first, first, before you talk about anything else, you got to first connect to me, right? Gotcha. You got to connect to me because I don't, I can't hear nothing else you're saying. You got to connect to me. And so that's what we were, we were really focusing on because I wanted to get all into the education. <laughs> I wanted to get all into the education. I wanted to go straight to it, right? And they were like, no, man, you can't because it's going to go over my head. You don't think I've heard this before, right? right? And that's what you talk about the fluency, right? It is ex- to explain. I want to give a good image of that real quick is when Doc, uh, when, um, when uh, Julia Means came in and talked about the blood pressure, right. she, we talked about those numbers. We all had the numbers in our hand. We all saw the top number and bottom number. But when she explained it mm-hmm. to us in a visual way, we, we captured it differently. Right. Then we owned it differently. And that's exactly what you're God, saying is, is now you have to get to a point for us to understand that top number means how it beats and how it beats very fast, and how it gets that information and blood pumping in, yeah. that lower number shows the rest. And when your lower number is, it shows that it's, it's a very high. That means your heart's not resting. That changed the viewpoint of a lot of the men to say, "Now, oh wow! So now I know what these numbers mean." So you're right. It's building to what what you know already, and then giving them the terms, the knowledge, and the power and ability to use that information and then apply it to themselves. 
All right. So thank you very much. We are talking to Clem Richardson, clinical substance abuse counselor, uh, Dr. Bashir Easter from UW, all of us, Milwaukee. He's the assistant director. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Men making health priority. We come back for this final segment. You gave a powerful presentation, Clem. And we want to talk about it, maybe walk through some of the concepts of your presentation, look at the outline you gave to these men, and really dig deep into the power that you impart to these men by making them, I like to say, fluent in their own mental health. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority. We'll be right back. This is Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority Mental Health Month. Clem Richardson, clinical substance abuse counselor. Dr. Bashir Easter from UW, All of Us Milwaukee, the assistant director. And I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Tell us what your presentation was. I know the the other day you gave a presentation, and um, word is it was probably one of the best things men needed to hear. And so from your perspective, what was the presentation? And just give us an outline of what that was. Yeah, so um, the presentation is coming up, or the other day. Okay, so pretty much the the presentation that we're going to be doing this week, uh, Friday, right, Doc? Yeah, that's the we did one already. We're going to be doing another one. Yes. Yeah, we're doing another one. So this this week, what we're doing, we're going to do um, the first one we started with was um, the multi-generational factors of issues that bring on the mental health and that kind of stuff. That was the first one we did where we generated a lot of emotion. When I started talking about racism, I just showed pictures. Um, some, you know, people were uh, moved by that. And then you had another people who was kind of concerned, you know. And, and so I started talking about the Stockholm Syndrome, where people develop the mindset of their captors, where they feel uncomfortable because you mentioned racism because you have white brothers assist in the building. So we talked about that and then, then talked about the environmental factors, how we have food desert. So in other words, you have the JJ's chicken, you have the unhealthy food sources. We're in the corner store because they live in that environment. So I talked about that and, and, and we had a good discussion surrounding that. This one this week is going to be um, part one, the hijack mind. So with the hijack mind, I'm pretty much going to be talking about how uh, it's going to start at six o'clock. Actually, I'm going to do an icebreaker and pretty much just talks about the generational factors the social factors, environmental factors, and break these men out into groups. So they're going to be able to report back on what they're learning. And we're going to talk about the act like a man box. you got to be there, bros, to come on out on May 20th because you don't want to miss this. We're going to talk about the act like a man box and those beliefs and concepts of what we was taught coming up as men. And then we're going to um, just hear from them. What what have you learned from this um, hijack mind workshop? What what have you? Um, how would you apply it to your life? And um, what do you plan to do for the next month as we come back to impact your life? Then close out with a um, piece that I'm going to do. It's called the Pledge of Manhood. So I'm going to do that. We're going to do that and close out. So that's pretty much in a nutshell. So with a with a Pledge of Manhood. Um, and this being Mental Health Month. Yes. How can I, as a man, figure out, well, 
everybody that takes a pledge usually takes the same thing. But, yeah. what, if, but what if mine is different? What if, what if what if my issue is a little different? How do I how do I function through that? Okay, well, if 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 it don't apply, you let it fly. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't apply right now, put it up on a shelf. You go back and later and get it. Okay. So what I mean by that is, so we I mean we're talking from a holistic approach. So um, I pledge to be a man, not not just a male or a boy. When I was a boy, I started I acted as a boy and I behaved as a boy. But when I became a man, I put away childish thing. Now that I'm a man. I would think and act like a man. I would maintain a relationship with my. So encouraging them, bros, to mm-hmm. speak out. And I will take care, better care of my health. I will take care, better care of my mental health. So we all say that together in unity, and hopefully they continue to start saying that by themselves and then have a voice. So men need to be heard. So that's why we're we're talking about this, and uh, we're excited about what's going to happen. So. Doctor Easter, how important is it to really actually be heard? You you you're kind of at the at the at the front of me coming in and, and having gone through this entire presentation and doing the pledge. But what is it really going to take to get to that point? Yeah, it, what we're noticing is that we talk about being heard. Uh, the men that I've noticed as they started to talk were probably the first time that they shared this to a large group of men about their issues. That's for, that, was, that was phenomenal in itself. That they've been holding these things. We talk about suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a group of 30, 40 men that you really don't know. And you've shared that you've had issues that are going on with you. That uh, that release alone was powerful to get that out. So th- that's that's one of the major things that I don't take for granted at all. I allow that that to be that the man is able to have that moment to share that 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 as well. The other thing that we're, we're noticing is, is that the ownership. We talked about accountability, right, Dr. Ken? We talked about that accountability piece is what we want to make sure is that you have these tools as much as we can bring to you. These, take away some of these barriers that you may have, whether it's financial, having a doctor, not a doctor. They're, take away all these, these barriers and bring everything to you that you can use and apply today. So it's not something you got to wait a week or a month or a year. Right. These are things that you can do right now and apply right now. So that's the other thing we're taking away. The other thing is the other we're trying to take away is excuses. Because we can all come up with them, right? At any point, at any time. That's where the accountability comes from. If you have not shown up to some of the meetings and stuff like that, we got somebody that's going to give you a call. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You know we're having another meeting. Be able to get to the meeting. Hey, is there anything that we can do to make sure it's, it's easier to get there, right? Because you'll do things that you may feel important. But we also know that men avoid to be held accountable. Right. That's right. So we're doing our best to make sure it's like we're going to be here. And uh, and Pastor Locke does a very good job at that. He lets them know we're holding you accountable, man, because we believe in you. We love you. We know that everything that you're doing is, is important for you. And we're going to keep that focus on you each time that we speak. OK, so what I'm hearing, right? How many kicks does it take, Clem, for for it to break through? Like like how many times? How many we gotta times? Do, right. How many right. times do we have to do this? You know, I, I hear we, it. I hear somebody else. Right. After about the third person that kind of shares and mm-hmm. says, and then you, you, you warm up or. Yeah. So so with, with we didn't already build the rapport with these group of brothers. So with this right here, they come into the group setting. Right. And, OK. So is, is one thing about groups. Groups is you learn by vicariously, meaning if I see what Dr. Bashir been through, you know, he's getting the help for that. Well, mm-hmm. then I want to learn from that. I'm not going to do what he did to. But, but that's what I'm issues. asking. How, so, how many of those do I need to hear? 
Do I, do I, you, does it take one or two? It might take three or four. You keep oh. coming. You keep coming back. And I don't care if we reach one person in that room, something the doctor has said or, or Rob Brother Robert has said mm-hmm. that they, they will impact them to keep coming. And then they will spread the word. Hey, we got this men's health piece going down. Come help. Come, come, bro. Come. So it's not about numbers. No, we're definitely about planting that seed. OK. Right. God's going to bring the increase. Somebody else is going to water that. Okay. You know, so that's the approach we were looking at. And we're doing the holistic approach too as well, mind, body, and spirit at the same time. And I'm going to add one other thing to that, Ken. We don't know. We all know. I'm going to say that. That's exactly what I was going to ask okay. you. Okay. Yes, we don't. What, what, does that, what does that even look like? How can yeah. you really know? We don't know. And so what we're doing is, is we just have the opportunity. That's what we're providing. We're grateful. We're grateful. And when we provide the opportunity, whatever your light bulb goes off, it may not even go off in our sessions. It may not even go off in this. It may be a year down the road. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you something, whether it may be a moment that you've had, an experience of your change in your body, something would at least kicked in because we've gave you some tools that you can take and use and apply. And the reason why I'm saying we don't know, it took me a long time because I was in denial for a lot of stuff with my diabetes. Okay. And it took my body to do something to me. And I'm like, okay, they did tell me all the stuff I need to do. So let me start that. Right. So the goal is, is bring them resources, bring them information. You have it. Now, when it's time for you to apply it, you got it. That's what we want. So. For the person listening today, for, for the man listening today, this is a long term commitment. This is yes. a one yes. and done. I'm going to jump in. I need 15, 20 people. And nope. I'm out. It's an ongoing um, monthly commitment where you come if you want to, you come if you don't, but we're always going to be here to make sure that there's somebody here to support you. What we want to do so that we're modeling the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. This yes. ain't just a, a moment. This right here is a movement. And so with that, hopefully his brothers will catch on. We're going to be here. You know, we got one coming, 10 coming. Like Doc said, eventually it's going, they're going to get serious about their life and be able to want to make that change. All right. Y'all making it hard for me not to come. See, <laughs> nah, see, y'all. It's, it's like it's like every time I do this, the the excuses just kind of just kind of chip away. Do me a favor. Take about thirty to forty five seconds. Is there anything you want to leave with men this this week, Clem Richardson, about mental health? Yes, uh, come on out, brothers. We look forward to seeing you. Um, everybody, I've had mental health before. I went through depression or battle with addictions before but most importantly is you can change you know your mind your body your spirit so come on out so you can get the help you need you get the tools that you you let you we can give you and you can utilize them for your life all right dr Bashir, anything to add yes have individuals take your look at the program go go to join all of us.org or our www dot whisk w-i-s-c dot edu and that's all of us w-i-s-c dot edu to be able to learn more about the program and to learn more and then also just as we continue to uh, uh tune into these shows we'll continue to talk about it we're going to continue to try to reach everyone as we can and we thank you again dr ken for continuing to move this forward uh we look forward to you brothers as we continue move, moving on Men making health a priority. So we're going to be here twice a month till the end of the year, making sure everyone in Milwaukee, especially African-American men, understand and know that there's someone here that loves and supports and will uphold you. But we expect the same from you because it's about 
accountability. Clem Richardson, clinical substance abuse counselor, mental health professional, um, Dr. Bashir Easter, what can I say? UW, all of us, Milwaukee, as he's the assistant director. Um, each and every month, we'll have two shows that are going to give you more information on how you, as an African-American man in southeastern Wisconsin, can make health a priority for you. I'm Dr. Ken Harris, and we want to thank you for joining us. <laughs>